hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. That's my opera voice. I've been wanting to try it out. It's taken me 80 episodes. And on the 81st episode, I've given you the opera voice. No more. We're here. We're here. And Bar Down Breakdown is living it. We're living in the opera world. Guys, it's sadness. I know. You should be singing like Dashboard Confessional and like doing emo swoop hair because things are sad and dark over here with the Bar Down Breakdown crew. So, you know, yes, it is. However, you know, we're we're in a place where the Islanders have let us down. However, it's not over yet. It's not over until, you know, the the last piece of ice, you know, melts away. Until the, the, the fat man sings opera? Is that like the, the same? The fat man sings opera, dude. So, I, you know. We could talk about it just for a little bit, but you know, our, the Islanders are down two games to to none. Uh, by the time this episode airs, who knows where we're going to be? Hopefully, uh, you know, we're we're still going to be in the thick of it. But um, you know, the game two was the was the demoralizer, man. You know, letting a puck go in with seven seconds left in in the game, that's uh, rough. And uh, with all the chances the Islanders had, um, you know, with the just the the Tampa Bay team and how depleted they were. Uh, the Islanders getting the opportunities, skating hard, looking so much better than they did in game one, but still couldn't put the bolts away. I think, um, you know, fans and the team alike may have underestimated exactly how good uh, the bolts are. Uh, that said, though, you know, we saw the, the comeback of one Andrew Ladd, who hasn't been on the ice since like, I don't know, like 2006 or something stupid like that. Uh, I can't believe uh, hopefully that's the game. last time we ever see him on the ice. Like <laughs> Dude, that was a, I, that like we all talk about how Barry Trotz is a genius. What the hell was he thinking there? I'm sure honestly, after an eight to two loss, he was like, whatever we got to do, you know, whatever we throw at this wall, hopefully something sticks because I mean, you know, coming back from from a shellacking like that is, you know, you got to do something. And, you know, I'm sure Trotz was just like, well, you know, let's see what Ladd can do for us. And, you know, just as we expected, you know, flat. But still, you know, we've got a lot of issues that need to be addressed. You know, a lot of missed opportunities. People. Listen, our power play has always been our issue. Yeah. It always has been. And, you know, we, we had that. Five minute major, nothing. We we had multiple power plays last yep. night that we just didn't like put the pedal to the metal. Like while we were in control of the game, we just never like put it away. We never yep. put it away. And honestly, I, I think I did underestimate 
the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, I knew that they were skilled. I There was no doubt in that. Like, I knew they were skilled. I thought that we would have the edge with, like, our aggressive style of play. But I think it's the opposite, dude. Like, Tampa is just, like, roughing us up. And I feel like we're intimidated by them. And it's not even, like, because they do have Patty Maroon on the team, who is, like, a big dude. It's not even, like, necessarily him who's the one, like, throwing the body around and, like, caught and stirring stuff up. It's, like, the whole team is just playing a rougher, even, like, a little like dirtier and edgier style of play that I was not expecting. I was expecting us to do that. And like, that's why I was feeling so confident, but I don't know. Yeah. You know, there, there's really no other words to say other than like defeated and deflated after last night's game. And you know, the, the fact that we just like let them hang around the whole game, I knew something was going to happen because at any moment, Tampa Bay can just turn it on Mm -hmm. and they didn't they didn't give up with you know eight seconds left and like all right let's just like ride this out into overtime they're like yo we've hung in this game this whole time like let's let's go for it and I mean it took it it took one poor play by Andy Green where he just needed to know what how much time was left and like ice the puck he had possession and he like tried to make a a cute play where he should have just iced the puck. And, you know, I I think that could have been the difference, but you know, here we are, we're down, we're down two Oh, and it's going to be definitely tough to bounce back. Um, you know, I I, I just, I want to, I want to see a little more fight with our, with the, the team that we have, because, you know, as I've mentioned on the podcast many times, you know, since the playoffs has started, like, this is the best Islanders hockey I've seen in my lifetime. Like, oh, yeah. I just don't want to go down like this. Like, I need to see a little more fight from our boys. Some grit and some determination. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, and it's it's sad to think that of all people to make that mistake, it was Andy Green, you know, the vet, right? You, you know, the guy who you think has the presence of mind who has, you know, been in the shit so often, you know, that would kind of, you know, know the kind of like the hockey rules essentially and just and, and know how to how to make that happen but you know i mean rebound after rebound after rebound in those last 45 seconds and it was just it was bound to happen and you know like i said it's just demoralizing and deflating loss and uh we could talk about it for hours but let's talk about something a little bit more positive which is our brand new bar down breakdown water bottle I don't even have one yet, guys. I don't have one. And there's a, a winner of our contest. Mikey, tell us more about who won. And then tell us more about how you could get that water bottle if you didn't win and how limited they are and where you can get them and how you can get them. Yeah, so I honestly don't know the person who won. His uh, his Instagram handle is PucksDeep45. And- PucksDeep, dude. He's very deep pucks. But when I look at his profile picture, he's rocking by far the best men's league sweater I've ever seen. And it it's like the neck deep logo, okay. like from one of their first albums. And it's just as pucks deep. And it's just it's a beautiful men's league sweater. And I was like, you know what? I'm all for it. And uh, congratulations to pucks deep 45. And uh, 
I'll, I'll get that water bottle out to you once you send us over your address. But, you know, like I, I mentioned, you don't have to get all sad that you missed out because uh, I did place an order to get a case of those uh, so that we can get them out to the people. And they should be here shortly. And, uh, you know, you could just DM, DM us and we'll kind of do it behind the, behind the scenes because I just ordered a case. So we only got 12 of them. And depending on how, how hungry you guys are for these water bottles, maybe we'll put in another 12. But for now, it's just going to be uh, 12 of them. And just DM us if you want one and we'll make it happen. 12, man, that's like more limited than like supreme we're like supreme of podcasts we're the supreme podcast dude i i I love to hear it and what's great about them is you know you keep yourself hydrated uh which you know you got to do right now because you know we're losing all this sweat over our our favorite hockey teams and it's you know you just gotta keep that water intake going up man but uh really pumped on that uh and what we're also really pumped on is our interview we got coming up we've got our buddy mark from goalkeeper and uh they're one of these bands man that uh you know i i I took a couple of listens and they got a real bright future uh you can really tell uh they're doing a lot of things right uh mark is awesome man he's just uh just talking to him you'll see it's like he, he just like cool calm and collected he's super funny super engaging man it's uh awesome you'll hear us in the interview talking all about uh, you know, the Flyers Islanders series and all about how he came up in uh, in uh, Delco, Delaware County, for those of you that, that don't know, and how they've got a holiday for Delco Day, 610, and uh, all of his cool stories about that. But you don't have to hear me talk about that because you can hear Mark talk about it. So without further ado, why don't you check out our interview with Mark, from goalkeeper, we see you on the other side. Sort all the shit out I don't even know what we're fighting about you Hold on, I'll leave the song up in a rain cloud My mind's on the fritz now You're all in a fit now I can't figure out how I feel about it You're calling it quits now I'm asking you to calm down We both know how much good it's doing us now everyone we are here uh and we're sad because the islanders are terrible again (laughs) but we're here nonetheless with our boy mark from goalkeeper sweet band from from uh the south jersey philly area episode 81 with us 
We're going to talk some Flyers hockey. We're going to talk about their new EP that's coming out, but mostly we're just going to kind of shoot the shit. So how is everything, my friend? Uh, Well, I'm feeling a lot happier. You guys are down two games to none. (laughs) (laughs) And what, they've got 10 goals to your one in two games? What are you guys doing? (laughs) Well, the first game they had like nine, so... Or eight? It wasn't, I, I thought it was. I was gonna say. I thought it was only eight. Yeah, it's eight. You got some credit. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's um like I, you know, I've been talking a lot about it. You know, if uh, you know the 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 old adage. Well, I shouldn't call it an adage. Just what I've been saying about this is like you know, if game one Islander fans could think of all the excuses about oh oh short rest, you're traveling, this that, you know, then game two was the real demoralizer because like you know. Now what's the excuse? I mean, you know, the Islanders got all the calls they needed, all the opportunities. I mean, fuck, the Bolts were skating nine forwards, and still the Islanders couldn't couldn't put it away. So, you know, obviously there's still hockey left. A lot of things can change, but, I mean, that's hard to bounce back from, from game two, man. That was just the, the tougher of the of the two, in my opinion. Yeah, and honestly, I mean like not to talk too much shit but i feel like it was such a hard series against the flyers because we were like that and like annoying rash that just wouldn't go away you have <laughs> yeah. like you'd be up like three nothing and then somehow we'd crawl back and get a double overtime win yeah. um yeah that's just like when you finally like like beat us the team just the, the islanders just seemed like oh we did it but it's like no you didn't you have a harder team now because yeah lightning yeah. did it lightning did it in what five games six like oh. five like <laughs> yeah no they 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 took boston out i think in five and i mean i think a lot of islanders fans had that like cheeky optimism but i think at the same time you know the 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 real islanders fans that are grounded knew that this series with the bolts wasn't going to be you know a, a walk in the park um and unfortunately you know here we are now again you know a lot can change in hockey you know if the islanders have a have a good game get a little bit of momentum going their way we'll see what'll happen but um as it is like i said rough two games but uh, that flyer series was something else i mean you know it uh you guys really you know that's a great a a great like little example you gave that just the rash that keeps coming back because you guys (laughs) truly i mean like you know, we had all these opportunities to put you away and we didn't capitalize on them. And then when we didn't capitalize, you guys were like, well, fuck it. If you, you know, if, if y'all aren't, aren't going to beat us, we're, we're sure as hell going to beat you. And uh, it was, a, it, you know, it was a very frustrating series for Islanders fans, because like I said, there are a lot of, a lot of times where we could, where we should have just, you know, put the nail in the coffin, but you guys were pesky and chippy. And it was, it was a great series to watch, especially, you know, from an outside perspective, if you're not an Islander or a Flyers fan, it was riveting hockey. It really was. And, um, like, that's actually, like, because of the quarantine, it was one of the things that I got, like, really into. Because I was, like, always back and forth as, like, a hockey fan. So, like, some mm-hmm. seasons I'd pay more attention than others. Because I'm, I'm a diehard football fan. That's, like, my number one sport. Okay. Um, But, so, like, just, like, getting back into, like, hockey. And, of course, it got shut down for a little bit. Then when it came back, it was, like, hell yeah. And, like, that series, I mean, I was with, like, because we were doing, like, outdoor seating up here now. Um, sure. So we were all down there, like, at the, uh, all together. It was, like, like, 10 of us. And I'm pretty sure when we won in that, like, the double overtime, um, 
Yeah, and most of us don't remember from like 11 p.m. to <laughs> next morning. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I don't blame you, man. I, you know, I always, I think I've told this story once before, but you know, like Philly is just such such a a sports city. Yeah. I remember I was in. Uh, this is probably, I don't know, maybe going back four or five years. I forget how long ago it was, but maybe even longer than that. Uh, but Philly was in the playoffs. And uh, this is when Underoath was doing um, their uh, like chasing safety to find the Great Line tour. Right, right, right. Uh, and I happened to be in Philly with a, a girl I was dating at the time, and my buddy Brad was doing um, sound for Caspian, who I think was direct support. So he just kind of came together, and you know, he hit me up, and he was like, "Hey, I." See see you're in philly like we got this show i can get you guest list and i was like shit fucking yeah let's do it so um you know packed house that it was completely sold out i think it was at the electric factory but anyways you know they had the flyers game on you know a couple of tvs you know in like a bar area whatever and uh you know everyone's watching under oath blaze through their set having a great time and uh you know all of a sudden the flyers put one in the net and like the entire electric factory like turned to the tvs and cheered and like completely <laughs> yeah. like for like 90 seconds, like didn't shit about under oath playing like dangerous business or whatever they were doing. <laughs> and I was like, man, if that isn't like a hockey city, dude, I don't know what is. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I got some love for that. I mean, other than that, I've got no other love for the flyers, but I do have some love for that. So <laughs> dude, we're, and we're such assholes. Like, like one of my favorite bands is four years strong. Right. Yeah, man. And, uh, so when the Eagles beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl in like 2017, um, they didn't say shit on stage, but Philly gave them a bunch of shit from the crowd. <laughs> Believe it. Um, just because, and they were like, guys, we don't really watch football. Good job on the victory. And they're like, yeah, fuck you, New England. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, there was, what was it? I think it was like, I was at a my a show. It was like I think when the Flyers were in the playoffs, what, like 2012, 11, like that kind of area where they like had a random like good series. Yeah. Um and I remember like four shows got canceled because of the playoff game and the one show had the TV on and like no one was watching the band. Even the band like each band only played like three or four songs max because they were just uh you know, they were watching the game too. They're like, yeah, hold on. We'll get to the next song. Just, just power play. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, man. I, I think that's, that's such a great thing. It, it, you know, it really is. And, uh, but you know, let's, let's talk a little bit, um, just cause I want to get your perspective on it. So, um, you grew up in, in like the Philly in, in Philly or like South Jersey, like where did you grow up? So I'm in, uh, right outside South Philly in an area called like Delaware County. Okay. Um, uh, not so humbly speaking, we are like the you know the diehard part of the Philadelphia area. Excuse me. Um, so like we're the biggest sports advocates. We are the heaviest drinkers. We're actually the heaviest drinking county in the entire uh, state of Pennsylvania, really? and we're the only county in the entire state that has its own statewide recognized holiday. <laughs> um. So needless to say, like where I grew up is awesome. And like I said, like I can, if I'm like at a certain street about three blocks away from my house, you can see the skyline of the city. And when the Eagles like 
Eagles and Phillies, like when they won like the championships and, you know, um, you from my house, you could hear the bars and the city like erupt, even though we were erupting ourselves, but you could also hear um, like all that. So like we're right there. And a lot of um, the best way to describe it, too, is like we where we live is where a lot of the blue collar people will live and then travel right. into like the city, like the shipyards and stuff like that to work. Got it. Um, the city <laughs> people who live in Philly proper, other than South Philly, um, like Italian village and stuff, those yeah. who live by like the actual like um, uh, venues and things like that. It's like the hipster town, right? So like mm-hmm. they like sports, but they're kind of the people who like came to like Drexel or U Penn for school or Temple and just never left. <laughs> um, and they still roll up their khakis and shit like that. <laughs> um, which I mean, I still do too. But you know, gotta look pop punk, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but like, yes, like where I'm from is, you know, especially down like South Delco, cause it's even split between South and North and North is like where Villanova university's at. So a lot of money up there, you know, I oh, think like, sure, the, yeah. like the average salary in a household up there is like well into the six figures. Whereas yeah. where I live, the average salary is like 55,000, okay. you know? So we are very much like the rough and tumble, you know? kick the shit out of you and then okay here's a great example of where i live um it was during a actually during a flyers game yep so there's a bar right down the street for me this is before COVID and everything it was like last year okay uh, we're all watching the game and these two dudes just get into the biggest fight um no one is getting involved though we're all just at the bar drinking we see them fighting and their friends are rumbling but the bartender's just serving drinks like whatever just a bar fight who cares um so then the game's over, their fight ends up stopping, and they leave. And then me and my buddy, we go next door to the Wawa um, to get some, like, you know, after-bar food, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those two dudes who were fighting were next to each other at the kiosk in the Wawa ordering, and then, like, kind of, like, fist-bumping it out and, like, hugging each other and, like, goofing <laughs> around. <laughs> so, like, that's where I live. <laughs> Now, I want to hear about this holiday, because you dropped that your town has its own holiday. What is the holiday? So, it's, so our area code is 610, so June 10th is now Delco Day. And if you're a true Delconian, like where I am, you take off of work, you go to your favorite bar, because the one great thing about where we live is we do have like the national chains, like with pizza and fast food and everything. But we have a bunch of mom and pop pizza shops, mom and pop bars. Like there are some bars who technically can't open because they don't serve food, but they're teaming up with the mom and pop pizza shop next door, and they're having people order food from there so the bar can do business. So we're very community organized like that. Smart, um, smart, yeah. And it's giving two places business, you know. Yeah. Um. And but anyway, so you take off. You and however, whatever your friend group is, uh, you basically just go to your favorite bars all day. And, you know, your favorite bartenders work. Like, you know, we all have our nights. Like, I know the one bar I love to go to is called Busty's every Wednesday night. My friend Byron, Brian's the bartender, so we're up there Wednesdays. Um, nice. You know, and we're all heavy tippers, too. So if you're a bartender and you're actually and you're friends with people, like my buddy Brian is, like, he'll make $400 on a Wednesday because we're all just giving him, like, 60 bucks. you know? There you go. Um, but yeah, you take off and you just 
get blacked out drunk <laughs> <laughs> and celebrate all things Delco. And, you know, people who are a little bit older who've had like the war stories, you share the stories, you more than likely make some of your own new memories that day too. Uh, there you go. What was last year? Well, not this past year because of COVID. Um, I mean, people still did stuff at like the houses and whatnot, but like just didn't publicize it because we were trying to be good. Um, last year, our, our buddy had this, uh, had this abscess on his elbow. So, you know, 2, 2 a.m. June 11th, after drinking all day June 10th, a lot of my friends thought it'd be a good idea. Be like, we're going to help you remove it and like jag his elbow. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Already sounds like a so, terrible idea. Yeah, well, I mean, it depends on who you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that'll be a memory that goes down in, in history with, like, uh, I mean, I wasn't that. I left for that one, I will say, just so people don't think I'm stabbing my friends. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, if I would have stayed five minutes longer, I, I probably would have seen it, and it probably wouldn't pre- uh, would have been pretty rad. Um, but, yeah, so we just you just do that. You order food from your favorite places. Again, they're all mom-and-pop shops, so, you know, everyone knows everybody type deal. And uh, usually the Saturday before or after, unless it falls on that day, my buddy Chris, he actually hosts, him and his friends host a big charity uh, concert all day at okay. the local, at this one local bar. It's got like three different stages. Um, really small. Like you really can't do like a local show there because um, it's like too family oriented. But for like a big charity type thing, it's fine. And like we've, we've played uh, three or two of the four years. Um, and it's all day long, and it's, it's also great when June 10th falls on a Saturday because it's like you go extra hard, um, because it's the show and the drinking. Um, <laughs> but so we have a thing up here called a Headstrong, the Headstrong Foundation, uh, which was started by this uh, Ridley lacrosse player's family. He passed away when he was in high school. Uh, Ridley's a town in Delco, by the way. Um, the lacrosse team was one of the best in the state around that time and he passed away from cancer so his family started an organization for him where they bought like a bunch of houses in the area and they give it they rent it out for free to families who are traveling to philadelphia for long-term medical care because we have some of the best uh oncologists and trauma centers like in america so it's not uncommon for somebody with a super rare disease or can't form of cancer to be flown in to philly to receive treatment but that usually requires the families to like quit their jobs or take elongated leaves of absences where they can't afford like the hotel every night. Um, so this family stepped in, and the money that they raise every year, they pay the bills for all these houses that they bought, and families get to stay there for free, and they're fed for free as well. Oh, that's, um, fa- that's fantastic. Love yeah, that. and, and because we're so, like, all of the trains right near my house take you right down to University City, which is where, like, all those main hospitals are. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you know, if you can't even have a car, like public transportation can literally take you anywhere you need to go. Um, yeah, so we do a big charity show raising money for that um, as well. So if it doesn't fall on the holiday, it's usually like the Saturday uh, before um, they'll host the show. And then obviously if it falls on, on the Saturday, we host it on the same day. Uh, so yeah, so just, <laughs> most years we get to have two drinking days. It's great when it's a Saturday and then like a Sunday or a Saturday and then like a Monday. <laughs> now when, when so, you like are driving into Delco, is there like a sign that says like, welcome to Delco. We, nah, we're not, we're not, we're not, we don't, we're not braggadocious like that. <laughs> <laughs> you basically just, you come into Delco and you just know you're in Delco. 
<laughs> okay, I was gonna say, like, is there like a sign that advertises like, yeah, we booze the most in all of Pennsylvania? Nope, it's one of those. It's like really word of mouth. Like, if you guys ever came to Philly and and like, okay, like for my house, my wife and I, we uh, we actually house bands who go on tour because so many people house like goalkeeper when we're on tour, so we want to give back. And like every band who comes here, I usually get like blacked out drunk at like some bar. <laughs> and they're like, now we, we understand. And like my, I, I tell my friends all the time, like, yo, I've got this band from like New York. I've got this band from Ohio. You know, I told them I'm going to show them a Delco night. And they're like, all right, meet us here at this time. <laughs> Love it. And so, but like, yeah. And like, you know, one of the nice things too, is like, we're so community oriented based as well. Um, so, like I said, like we tip the bartenders very well. We give d- delivery drivers and places tips very well. Uh, we're all basically friends. Even if you don't like somebody, like you're still a friend. Everyone knows everybody. Um, like tonight, football's on. So I'll be going out to like the one bar that's doing the outdoor seating. Um, and everyone just takes turns buying rounds. You know, they'll be like, hey, you know, uh, 12 T bombs you know, for this table. And so it's very much like that. So it's awesome. Okay. Sweet. Now, um, I, I just am kind of curious. So, you know, growing up in, in Delaware County and, uh, you know, being into, uh, you know, alternative music, what, uh, you know, what Philly bands or even like, you know, Jersey bands, like kind of, could you say that you listened to coming up uh, that, kind of melded, you know, some of the songwriting aspects of what you're doing in Goalkeeper. I mean, I guess, you know, some of your, you won't call them local bands necessarily, but like, you know, what bands in, in your area kind of shaped who you are musically? Uh, I would say probably the two biggest ones would be Man Overboard and The Wonder Years. Okay. So um, they were more... So Ryan and I are the oldest. You know, I'm 29. Ryan's going to be 31. Cody, our drummer, he's uh, going to be 25, if I'm correct. So, um, so me and Ryan were more about like more of like the throwback pop punk. Like our heyday was like you know, Blink, self-titled record up through like a day to remember, Four Year Strong, like all that. Okay. We unfortunately had the neon pop punk phase. Um, <laughs> I was <laughs> just talking about that the other day. It's, that was that was definitely the the dark ages. It's literally what killed pop punk for like a hot minute. Yep. Um, well, actually, there's a there's a good um, not to bring the mood down, not to like dive into it anyway. But there's a some pretty good articles written by people analyzing how that part that scene of pop punk is what bred a lot of abusers. Um, because like yeah. the way people were kind of like held to the standard and like the you know the fans and everything like that and like how they like looked up to these people and. You're like, you know what? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because, like, you didn't see, like, Newfound Glory or Blink or Sum 41 or the starting line having these, like, teeny bop or hot topic, you know, boys and girls backstage, <laughs> you know? Um, conversation for another time, though. But it was just an interesting <laughs> read. Um, just another way if it's the worst era of pop punk ever. Um, <laughs> oh, for sure. That's when. That's why everyone went into, like, metalcore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, I got into pop, like I said, I got into pop punk late too. So like, I didn't really understand what it was until like junior year of high school. Cause I was just so, cause of where I'm at, uh, kind of like the cock rock was really popular. So like Papa Roach, Breaking Benjamin, like yeah. things like that. 
So until I got into high school, I met people from like other areas that showed me bands like Four Year Strong and introduced me to this wild term called pop punk. Um, I didn't realize like Blink or Some 41 like were pop punk bands. I thought they were just rock bands that just played not crazy riffs <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> Kill Switch Engage and shit like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the big bands that came out that really influenced Goalkeeper to get back to the point. Um, one for us is Man Overboard and The Wonder Years. Uh, but we've had so many bands, I think, indirectly influence us anyway, too. Like, we have Major League from here, I Call Fives, Valencia, the starting line. Although Modern Baseball lives in Maryland, they're, you know, they started in the Drexel yeah. basement scene. Um, I'm missing people. Beach Slang. Love Beach Slang. Yeah, man. It's a, so, I mean, and, it, it, it's, that's a big one. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to cut you no, off. No, no, you're good. From, they're from Scranton, but you know, if you if you listen to any of their interviews, they always say that they moved themselves to Philly to be part of a better okay. music scene, and then yep. they went home. Um, so yeah, actually, I would say Man Overboard, Menzingers is a huge one, and then The Wonder Years. Sweet, and um, I think it's it's super cool because you guys are, I mean, like not super far, but you're like a hop, skip, and a jump away from New Brunswick, New Jersey, yeah. and I mean, like you know, talking about. You know, like lifetime and kid dynamite and you know like thursday and saves a day and it's just like the you know kind of that entire you know kind of tri-state northeast area i mean even like i said if you you know go up to boston that's a whole nother thing but yeah uh, it's so rich in um in, in all the music that's developed there so um on, on that note so you know goalkeeper ends up forming um so like walk me through how goalkeeper becomes a band and walk me through like the first songs you wrote and like what kind of ethos you were going for uh to kind of like jump into being like you know not necessarily being like the you know the, the bands you love but like how you kind of developed your own sound through all of the you know the kind of the philly abstract music scene sort of deal yeah, um, so we all played in bands uh, uh, prior to Goalkeeper, and I booked shows in the city, so I was kind of the guy that a lot of bands would you know, hit up to host their show, and then I would put a lot of my you know, friends' bands as the openers, and uh, one was Cody's band, and Cody introduced me to Ryan's band. Um, and it was just like kind of like, you know, every couple months, like we'd all get together, and like I'd host them, and they'd play the show for me and shit like that. Cool. And the one show, I couldn't find a band, and Cody's was playing, but Ryan's band couldn't. And I was talking to Ryan about it, and at the point, I was like in and out of like two different bands pretty quickly. So I haven't played a show at that point in like a year, year and a half. And I was telling Ryan, I was like, dude, I just want to play a show, but I can't form a band and write original music in time. Like I kind of just want to open up the show and just do like all the cliche pop punk cover songs. Okay. And. Ryan's like, dude, I'm down. I, my band can't play, and I'm really bummed. I'd love to do it. I'll, I'll sing and play guitar. I was like, sweet, I'll play guitar. And he's like, well, who do we get as drummer? And I'm like, well, <laughs> Cody, <laughs> he's playing. And we all kind of, like, we both knew, like, how good he was, and he probably just knew all the songs we wanted to play anyway. And, of course, he said, yeah. And then we had our one friend play bass. And uh, we did the show, and it was actually really fun. Um, and a lot of people loved it. And we had a blast and just goofing around. And uh, after the show, we were just still in our group chat. And we're like, you know, Cody and Ryan were like, yeah, our band's pretty much broke up. 
And I was like, well, we had fun, you know, doing this. And the bassist couldn't do it because he was in another band. But um, I was like, well, us three had a lot of fun. Do you want to just try a band like together? Excuse me. And they were like, yeah, hell yeah, let's do it. And we just started talking about uh, what we wanted to do as a band. Like From very early on, we set like goals for ourselves. And that's kind of where the idea of goalkeeper came from. Everyone thinks it's a sports reference, but it the, the cliche name is, is not cliche, but kind of like the the true name is uh from the very start, like we set us like set up these goals we want to try to keep. And we didn't want to take it too seriously because we've all done like the band things so where we're like, look, we're all getting older, let's just do it for fun. But let's be let's like let's be funny about it. So we, our idea was uh, let's take like real life, like hard situations, like being broken up with and basically relationship shit. Um, and let's, you know, compare it to like a really funny scenario that you wouldn't think of. Um, and like one of the first songs we wrote was our song called Leftovers, which if you haven't heard, uh, the opening line is you make me feel like the leftovers in your fridge that you forgot about. Um, and like, the whole idea was like this person is like ditching you and making you feel unwanted in a relationship and you're so upset. But we compared it to like the leftovers you find in your fridge that are all moldy and gross, <laughs> you know, and like you make me feel that way. And uh, we're like, let's we just, we just want to record the song, put a music video and just release it. And that's like our only goal right now. And we did. And it went over like really well, <laughs> surprisingly. We were like, what the fuck? Like, this is a song about a feeling like an old sandwich. Everyone's like, but it's so unique and like original. It's got, you know, and immediately Ryan got the, you sound like Mark Hoppus with balls, like comparison. <laughs> um, and from there, we were like, all right, what's our next goal? Let's play a show. All right, cool. Play the show. First show went great. You know, what's our next goal? Let's do another song and video. Play some more shows. Do another song and video and play some more shows. And it kind of just went from there. And, uh, you know, four years as a band taking it like very slowly not like not like it kind of intentionally too because like i said it went from just being like a fun get together with your homies thing to hey people actually kind of give a shit should we give a shit type deal <laughs> um and like maybe invest more time and money into this but like how do we do it so we don't like burn ourselves out because we all had a lot of like personal things that couldn't just go by the wayside you know um and uh yeah it just basically grew from there and these bands have always just played an influence because, like, we would learn songs by them and they would, like, teach us, you know, chord structures and, and different types of leads and uh, just naturally kind of came out, you know, in our music. And it was helped is, like, one of the first experiences we got is we got to record with Nick and Ace uh, for our one song, Screwdriver. And they taught us a lot just in that one day of recording with them about, like, song structure and not being too funny, but being like witty, you know, not big funny, but like cool funny. Um, and like leads and stuff like that. And then we just took that with us and it's never left. Good stuff. Now you, you mentioned all the, the goals that you guys have been checking off was signing with a record label. One of your goals. Yeah, absolutely. I think when we decided we wanted to take it more seriously, that was definitely, um, that was definitely part of it. And, uh, we didn't know what that would look like, um, and Lost kind of came out of nowhere and has been great since. So even though like they're a brand new label, um, it's like a good first experience because like we're learning a lot, 
but without a lot to lose, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like if you go right to a big label, there's like big budgets and there's this and there's that and there's these expectations and those expectations. And it can be really overwhelming because a band like us signing to Lost was right at the time we were saying, okay, we're going to start playing like 100 shows a year. And, you know, for a bigger label, they're usually looking at bands who've been doing that for a couple of years. <laughs> so, um, which, so that was awesome that we kind of got to work with them and they, we have a lot of like autonomy, you know, they don't, they don't have a hand in anything. They didn't want to hear demos when we were writing. They didn't care about the music until it was mastered. They have no say in the music videos or the profile or the images we use. It's very much like we'll help you with the business side and you guys get full creativity. So it's been awesome. But yeah, that was a long answer to your question of yes one of our goals is to sign to a label <laughs> okay well because you, you mentioned how you guys are like you know late 20s you know even even early 30s so like sometimes by the time you get to that point like you start to get a little jaded with the the music industry and like you're like you know what at this point like you know we we already know how to book shows we already know how to record music like you know why go on a label but it, it sounds like it's a mutually beneficial uh relationship you guys have so that's awesome yeah and we took it and like i said we took it slow like our first year we were just like our only goal was to release a music video and play a couple songs to play a couple shows and then every year it got a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger it's like oh now we're going to go away for two weeks and record a record oh now we're going to do our first week-long run you know um so as the band developed we kind of developed ourselves and the per our personal lives with the band so we're at the point where we are now or even though we're older all of our jobs are flexible with touring where we could go on the road for seven months i mean it's not financially smart to do that as a young band because you're going to be dead broke but you know if we got a you know if we ended up getting put on a lot of these bigger tours and we like, got the tour for seven months a year all of us are set up to do that right our households our relationships our jobs our families like we all grew with the band so i feel like we didn't get as jaded as some bands who maybe have like started and from day one just went all in you know where it's like four years later it's like oh well we're not as far as we wish we could be i guess we're just gonna like hang it up whereas us it's like we're here four years and we're just like just getting started yeah and like you know it's crazy with the the two singles that you guys have dropped um how like successful they've been and like you know that that must be just so refreshing to know that like now that you guys are ready to like turn it up a notch like people are really digging what they're hearing and like are super excited about it oh dude absolutely and especially from i mean i'm not going to speak for ryan and cody but for me i'm a train wreck when we're writing music and recording it and getting ready to release it because i always just think the shit's never as good as what we just did. <laughs> um, it's just a natural anxiety for me. So when we release this music and we're getting all this like positive feedback, we're, I'm just like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> now, um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, sorry. Um, it's just the thing Dalco people say at the, every, at the end of every sentence almost. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just so funny because I was talking to Dan Burke of the band Makeshift about you guys last night. Uh, as we were watching the Islanders just rip our hearts out. And I was like, yeah, you know, 
my, my, I, I feel like I could have been an A and R person, like in in a past life. And like, mm-hmm. my thing is when I cook dinner, because I cook dinner every night for my wife, I put a playlist on, and right. like I put my phone like away from where I'm cooking, so like I don't get any like food or juice on my phone. And like, if a band is good enough for me to stop what I'm doing and like walk over in my phone to see who they are. That's like my, my gauge of like how awesome this band is. And sure enough, goalkeeper was one of those bands. Like I was, I had one of the playlists on and you guys came on. I was like, Oh crap, who the hell is this? And it was, it was you guys. So kudos to the, the, the new tracks that caught my ear and have made me a, a fan. Oh, thank you. Can I ask you what song that was? I think it was Happy. I think it was the... Hell the, yeah. Yeah, so I think it was your, your newest... Well, it's not your newest anymore, but from your, your newest release. That was a fun song because that was the first time... Um, one of the things that we've like always told ourselves when we go to record is we never want to like hold back and we always want to keep a really open mind. Um, so that was actually our first co-write ever as a band um, with our producer. So... The fact that it like went over so well and people still feel like it's goalkeeper, even though we had that like co-writing experience was, you know, absolutely incredible for us because now it's just like, you know, open up more doors. Not to say we're going to have like people write our songs for us because that's not even how it happened. But one of the things we were really apprehensive about is like, well, it sound goalkeeper. And everyone's like, this is exactly what goalkeeper needed to do. I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And, you know, it must be just so rad to see like your monthly streams just like skyrocketing before your eyes. Uh, yeah, we're, we're checking it every day and, you know, um, sending it, you know, to whoever, who, whoever needs to know it. I'm like updating the EPK every single day <laughs> just because I want to. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's awesome. And to see like the, uh, it's like, it's staying with people is what means the most to us. Um, you know, because there's so many times, and we've experienced it too, where someone like listens to a song one time and then they never listen to it again. So the fact that people are adding "Just Say It" and "Happy" to their playlist, and we're still getting tagged in stories from people on like Instagram of them like listening to our songs, and uh, you know, it's surreal. You know, we can't wait till like we can actually get back on the road and just start playing them. You know, a million yeah. times a year. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So. Uh... You know, for life in slow motion, uh, just a l- little bit of reading, and uh, holy hell, um, the uh, the lineup of uh, who had their hands uh, on this record is kind of like staggering. So, you, it's produced by Kevin, who you know was was in Hit the Lights, mm-hmm. uh, engineered by you know the lead singer of Cartel, and then mixed and mastered by you know um, uh, I believe it was what is it Seb from Neck Deep. Yep. So, I mean, like, all these, like, names in the pot. So, like, how did uh, how, how did that, like, string of things come together? Like, how, how did it uh, get to so many hands, so many, like, deep-ass pop-punk hands, too? Um, how'd that happen? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so, I'll make a very long story very short, you know, if for time. But, um... We played, you know that four chord fest in Pittsburgh? Yes. Uh, okay, yes. so we played the four chord four. Um, and Hit the Lights was on it. And arguably our worst show ever, too, which was <laughs> humiliating. Um, we played in front of uh, 
like bearings and sleep on it and hit the lights guys and they all watched us as a fucking train wreck um which was nice when we opened up the sleep on a bearing show this past march they all came up and were like wow three years makes a big difference so that was cool <laughs> <Ouch>. um but, <laughs> but <laughs> well i mean but it was cool. I mean, the bearing singer asked for a T-shirt and everything. So for a band like us, we're like, hell yeah, this is sick. You saw us when we were absolutely horrendous. And now you're like, get to see us kind of be better. <laughs> um, we use a click track now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, we were all real bummed. And I think that for me, that's when I was like saying to myself, like, there's no point in taking this band seriously. Like, we're just going to go back to Philly and just be a joke band. We just wanted to be the party band that played every local show and just drank and had a bunch of fun. Um, we still drink and have a bunch of fun, but like not, we didn't care about like our gear, or like how well we kind of played. Um, and I was like, yeah, fuck this. Like we suck. We're just going to be that fun, fun band in Philly. We know we don't, we don't deserve to be on these big shows. And Kevin actually came up to us at the end of the show and like yelled at us, like, yo, goalkeeper. And we're like, oh, what's up, dude? He's like, I'm Kevin from Hit the Lights. I was like, yeah, that's sick. Did you see our set? He's like, I did. We're like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's like, nah, man, you're going to have shitty shows, man. I've been there. Just keep it up. You guys have something really special. I heard your song Pong Partners, and I was instantly grabbed by everything about you guys. So never give up. And uh, so that ignited the spark in us and actually... Uh, that's when we committed to do our Bad Times on Last EP with the guy Rick King in Kentucky. Like, really take, like, hey, we're going to go away for two weeks and, like, record at a really professional studio. And Hit the Lights were doing some of, like, their post-Summer Bones tracks there, um, like Anthem and Siberian Itch. And when Kevin found out that we committed to Rick, uh, he begged to be the producer on the record. Well, he didn't beg. He, like, asked and was, like, really into it. And we were like, yo, this is the first dude who's, like, coming to us saying that he's really interested in us and he has like and he's done the damn thing um so we said yeah and instantly relationship was phenomenal you know and uh we became really really close friends and when we were getting ready to do the next record uh we couldn't work with rick anymore and uh we never we told kevin like we don't care where we have to go as long as you're there and uh, he's like well my buddy will it might be down to record you guys in Nashville, and we're like, Will who? And he was like, oh, like, Will Pugh, cartel. And uh, we emailed Will and jumped on a, uh, a conference call, and Will was super hyped to work with us. And he, he talked to us for a good hour and a half on the phone, just, this is what I can do, this is what I'm thinking. And, uh, yeah, honestly, the most chill dude in the world ever. And they're actually, like, really close friends. So to see their relationship in the studio as they're working with us, was like super cool and the five of us became like you know obviously kevin and us were already like even closer friends and he does a lot of work behind the scenes for us too so he's the one who um he introduces us to a lot of people he sends our music around you know to anyone and everyone he knows who might be like a cool manager booking agent anything like that so he's not just a producer he's almost like kind of like a mini manager just without the title um and uh what was it? And, uh, yeah. And like I said, like Will was the most chill dude in the world. And, um, to the point where we're 99% going to go back to them again for like the next record. Um, and we still text each other and we're on a group chat and supporting each other. Um, and you know, sharing each like sharing the music around. So it's not like a traditional, Hey, you recorded with us, but don't talk to me again until you're ready to 
record again, yeah. <laughs> you know? And uh, Seb, uh, I actually got connected with him about a year ago when he started that pop punk playbook Facebook page. Um, he made a, like a post of like, hey, I just started this page. If you're in here, send me music here. And I sent them our song Sunshine. He's like, yo, I've heard of you guys. Like, you guys are super dope. And we were like kind of talking in like private messenger. Um, and I knew he mixed and mastered stuff. And when we looked at his, like his, obviously his discography, we were like, holy shit. And we hit him up to mix and master the record. And he was, yeah, he was down. He's like, hell yeah, dude, let's jump on a, let's jump on like a FaceTime. And when we were in Nashville recording, we jumped on, he talked to us for two and a half hours, just nice. shoot, shooting the shit. Um, barely any conversation about music more about like uh ghost stories and ufos and <laughs> <laughs> just you know life in general so uh yeah i think it was like i said because seb even though he's a neck deep now he's still very much connected to like you know bands like us like he didn't just like oh i'm a neck deep screw off yeah. um you can still hit him up for projects and mixing and we still text a little bit here and there um and then you know like i said so that's kind of like how it all got like started and we're we still don't know how like people like them gave a shit about us but we're really happy that they did <laughs> for sure now i i actually uh recently saw hit the lights like i, I want to say within the last like year or two i think they opened up for good charlotte here in, in uh charlotte good charlotte mm -hmm. here in charlotte that sounds ridiculous yeah, but yeah, a couple years ago right <laughs> yeah a, a couple ago. years ago and you know I remember hit the lights from when I was in high school and then, mm -hmm. you know, it, it was a good, probably like seven to 10 years that I, I kind of like, they, they fell off my radar and then like they were the opening band and dude, the singer is ripped, like absolutely mm -hmm. jacked. And I was like, when the hell did that happen? <laughs> and it's just he's like, very, he's very beautiful. It's just me. like, holy cow. Like, <laughs> seeing this like super ripped dude sing pop punk is kind of like i couldn't take my eyes off of it it's just like so out of the ordinary for me dude, yeah that's and that's like that's nothing like that's nothing new if you've ever seen the band citizen i mean matt is like ripped out of his face mm -hmm. um i mean he's more ripped than he was when he was you know in the band and they were still playing but the lead singer hostage com is like ripped out of his mind too Oh yeah. So you know, a lot, lot of beefcakes and pop punk, you know. <laughs> but uh, but speaking speaking of beefcakes, man, um, let's you know let's talk a talk a little bit a little bit of hockey here. So uh, let's let's turn the clock back uh, a little bit. So obviously, you know we we've, we've got some beef that goes back you know long long time in the Flyers and Islanders lineage. But uh, oh, yeah. what <laughs> but what was your first memory of uh like of hockey when you were younger like do you recall the first game you went to or like your first experience where you were like oh man this sport rips i know you said you're 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 kind of like you know you're a bigger football fan but like you know i still know you got love for it so uh how did that start for you uh my grandfather was a big hockey fan um so like we used to live above my uh mama and papa when I was like growing up. So we would always just like walk downstairs from the duplex and like watch TV with them. Um, and so he always used to have it on cause he was a bigger, he was a bigger uh, hockey baseball fan. Um, 
and my, literally my first uh, experience was Eric Lindros just knocking the fuck out of somebody, like out, just like one punch, boom. And I was like, you can fight? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you can fight. It's a national pastime of hockey. You work this shit out. They, and then he taught me about the, uh, like what an enforcer is and how people, he's like, yeah, they really suck at hockey, but they get, they get brought up just to beat the shit out of the other team's good player. um i was like what this is like war he's like exactly like war (laughs) um yeah so that was like my first my first memory um and i've only been to one game i was like really really young i remember them winning because i was actually the first philadelphia it was against the devils um and it was a bigger deal because it's when the devils were just kicking the absolute crap out of us like every game because like they were like the playoff team like um kind of like late 90s early 2000s um and we won and i've been to like you know phillies games and phantoms games and uh eagles and sixers and no one i've never been to a game (laughs) that that the philadelphia team won so i thought i was cursed at like nine (laughs) years old it's just i can't go to a game i they they always lose because i'm here and then the Flyers, uh, they beat the Devils, and like the entire place, like went nuts. And I was just like, "Ah, fuck yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> I'm not cursed. <laughs> I'm not cursed. <laughs> um, you know. And then like, yeah. And then after that, it was like, you know, I I didn't get to go to too many games after that because Flyers started to do well, and of course they jacked up their prices. Um, yeah. but uh, and plus a lot of my friends that i started to make as i got older they weren't very uh sports fans you know high school i actually ironically i I played sports my whole life and lacrosse was actually my main sport um because we couldn't afford hockey because it was like twelve hundred dollars just to sign up for the league down here um and uh you know my friends in like high school were born to like paintball and video games and stuff like that so um it was like around college when I started to like, you know, a couple of girlfriends I had at the time were real big sports fans. So I got like really back into like hockey and, and football then as well. Um, yeah. So, and I, every, every, every game, well, I think that my favorite part always, every time I watch a hockey game is the fact that you never know when a goal is going to come. And it's always the most like, how the fuck did that go in? <laughs> <laughs> That's so. it. It's definitely what makes hockey the most exciting sport is just like, yeah, there there's not always like high scoring games, but I think you just nailed it. And I never really thought about it. Like you really never know when you're going to score. And like, you know, where whereas in football, like when you're on the five yard line, like you, you are, you're anticipating it, you, you, you right. know, it's, it's coming. And like, I, I don't know why I never even thought about that. Like in hockey, it really could be at any moment. And like it's such a fast moving sport that like even though the play could be in your own defensive zone, like it ha- it happens so fast that like you know these guys are flying down the ice and within a, a second or two they they could be scoring, which well, what, is awesome. What was it? It was like what was it? Game was it? Game six or five of the Flyers Islanders series? They had like eight minutes of un- uninterrupted play. Yeah, you love that. I, I love. Yeah, that. I don't. I don't. I, I like. It was like first time i've seen that in forever and i'm pretty like your eyes are just glued to the tv <laughs> um and that's because like, like even soccer right like when they when i know it's like a one nothing game after like i don't know however many minutes i never get soccer 
Um, it's always like, Hey, the game's over, but wait, there's 30 extra minutes. Why? I don't know. There just is. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's like, you can kind of see like, all right, that guy's about to kick it. And yet he hit, he hit the corner easy done. Obviously baseball. All right. Guys on third guys up at bat. He just needs a single. All right, cool. Expected it. But hockey, you're right. Like I said, it's just, you don't even see the puck. And the next thing you know, you just hear the bell. You're like, what the, how'd that happen? And then they shoot <laughs> the instant replay. And it's like, oh, it, it deflected off his stick, off the other guy's, you know, kneecap and through the goalie's five hole. And it was all planned. It was the play that they've been working on all practice. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what? Hockey, right. hockey is such a bang, bang sport. I think that's what's intimidating for some people who like want to get into hockey, but they're like, oh, it's, so fast and there's so much that's going on it's like yeah i you know that's true it and and you know when you watch hockey you know when you get kind of from a a beginner watching it to like a more intermediary way of watching hockey like you could see like play is called and like you know the purpose of forechecking and like you know all this stuff as you kind of grow older and you start to understand the game but i think that's what makes hockey so so great is you know as a hockey fan, like you can never really say that the game is, is boring, right? Like baseball, I can understand when people say it's boring. Cause like it, it can be, and you know, like even football to a degree, like, you know, because of all the stopping and starting and you know, this play and that play, like to some people, it's a little slow and plotting, but hockey, that's something you can never really say. Like you can never really say that it's slow. Cause at its slowest hockey is faster than everything else. So Mm-hmm. But I understand why that's intimidating, uh, you know, for some people. But, I, you know, I think that's the, the beauty of hockey is just what you were saying is, you know, you can kind of lose sight of what's going on. You're like, where, you know, where, where the fuck is the puck? And like, you know, I, why do I see this guy here? And all of a sudden, like you just, you know, you hear the goal horn and you, you hear the light go off and, you know, all of a sudden the puck's in the back of the net. But when they slow it down, you can see everything that goes into a puck going into the net. I mean, you know, you shoot it from you know, the blue line, it could carry them off of three people and somehow, you know, end up, end up behind your goalie. And it's just, you know, that's, that's, that's hockey. I mean, like that's a part of playing the sport. So I I think that's such a beautiful thing about it is there's so many variables um, in it, but the other thing I love about it and this playoff is a testament to it is, you know, especially this year we had 24 teams, you know, we had the playing round and, you know, we had all of these teams that whatever momentum they had going in, you know, was kind of wiped away because we had such a big break. And you got to see a team like the the Islanders mm-hmm. and a team like the Flyers, which I think is so wild because so the Islanders going into the break, right? What were we on? Like a seven or eight game skid. And the Flyers were on like an eight or nine game winning streak. Yeah, but that yeah. momentum just hits a brick wall. And I think that's one of the reasons looking at it now that we were fortunate enough to squeak by you guys, because I think that if we came into the playoffs on that downward trajectory and you guys on that upward trajectory, I think we'd be looking at a completely different, um, you know, view of what the playoffs would be. So, mm-hmm. um, but having said that, you know, this year, truthfully, you know, when the season was still in swing, it really looked like this was going to be the year for you guys. So mm-hmm. other than, other than the season <laughs> kind of hitting that brick wall, um, what do you think, you know, personally, what do you think are 
like the Flyers need? Like what are those one or two pieces or three pieces or however many pieces you think the team needs to really get to that place where they're truly cup bound? Uh, I mean, I think any anyone would say this, but we need scores. You know, I mean, you can't rely on like Hayes and Drew to do everything. I mean, if you just look at the scoring stats, um, like the shooting stats, even you guys have what in Game Six, it was like seventy three shots to our twenty nine. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you're bound to lose games when someone's tr- like out shooting you by almost three times. <laughs> um. Which is just a testament to our goalie, though. Carter Hart was the real MVP of that series because yeah. to get lit up with almost 150 shots in two games and only let up like <laughs> that little amount of goals, like good for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like scores. I think people who I, I I mean, I feel like our team's also kind of like split between like young and like old players. So mm-hmm. I feel like we just need some like seasoned people to come in and kind of take the heat off of a veteran like Giroux. You know what I mean? And, or at least help him out. You know what I mean? Where it's like, he doesn't have to be on the ice to make an impact, you know? So that's like the way I, uh, you know, the way I see it just scores. I mean, I think that's anything though. It's like, usually if a team loses, it's, it's hardly ever their defense. It's because like, you know, their defense can only do so much like Garcoli, right? He can only stop so many shots, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? But every time you can't get it across, you know, uh, center ice without fucking off, like offsides, <laughs> you know, um, or you can't just keep it in the offensive zone for a little bit so he can breathe. Um, like, you know, you're going to lose the game. And that's essentially what happened. Plus, yeah, I mean, we thought game six was like the victory. So I feel like game seven, they're like, yeah, we're done. <laughs> now, yeah, like, and- I think the I think the real problem is you guys have one too many gingers on your team. Like I did not realize how many gingers are on the Philadelphia Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah. Well, I mean they don't have souls, so they have nothing to lose. (laughs) I mean technically like like gritty is technically a ginger. I know, they got too many gingers. I'm kidding, I swear to God, this it was just a joke. I don't need anyone coming at us and saying we discriminate towards redhead. (laughs) It was just a joke. But I, um, I think it's like Giroux or or maybe it's uh, Couturier that looks just like the guy from Game of Thrones. I think it's uh, I don't watch Game of Thrones, so you'll be better at that than I am. Yeah. Um, but Tom, do you know who I'm talking about? Like he's like the he's not a White Walker, but like the the wildlings that live like north of the north north of the wall. No, I have no idea what you're talking about because I don't watch it either, and oh. I don't know what you said. I think you said wildlings, but I heard you say wild wings, and I was like, this guy's talking about Buffalo Wild Wings. They're not even a paid sponsor. They're not even paying us, so you're talking about Buffalo Wild Wings. Not <laughs> yet. Not yet, right? All we got to do, um, man, we're, we're, we're one step away. Step one, you know, do podcasts. Step three, Buffalo Wild Wings. We'll, we'll find that step two. We'll get there. I don't know how we'll do it, but so – one more thing I, you know, I kind of want to ask about, you know, coming up in the, in the Philly scene and, uh, y- you know, there's that dichotomy between, you know, kind of pop punk and hardcore. And, you know, Philly is a huge hardcore town, you know, this is hardcore, all that kind of stuff. So, um, what I've found, you know, talking to a lot of different artists from the area is that it seems like both scenes while they run independently are kind of, um, 
inclusive to one another. So, like, have you had any experiences where, like, you've played on hardcore shows or you've got asked to play on hardcore shows? And, like, how has that, you know, been for the two communities to kind of cross paths? Uh, I think we've played, like, one or two um, in the in the past. It's like it's more like the bands won't kind of cross show play necessarily, at least in Philly, like maybe some areas like Lansdale mm-hmm. um, and things like that in South Jersey. Uh, but in like the actual like city, pro- like Philly proper, not like too, too much. Okay. Um, but yeah, but we support each other. Like you, you know, if, if you like, come on, like if you like story so far, you like hardcore, you know exactly. what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> you like That's new, like, the, yeah. You like, if you like newfound glory, you like hardcore. Um, but, uh, we, we're very, definitely very supportive of each other, but I think some of the more respectful people in each scene can definitely identify the disrespectful people of each scene. Got it. You know, which is something that we're trying to, I think, work on, you know, cause like a lot of venues from like hardcore shows have gotten shut down because you'll get that douchebag jughead who yep. thinks it's cool to punch a hole in the wall. You know, and then that promoter has to pay four hundred dollars to have the have the wall fixed, and then they're out of business. Now there's no more hardcore shows from that guy, yep. um, or girl, or anyone. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, and pop punk. I mean, you know, one thing that we've noticed about you know pop punk sometimes is maybe you've seen this too, especially in like you know the scene. It's it's very uh, I'm better than you <laughs> type mm-hmm. deal sometimes. Sometimes yeah, it, it definitely can be. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so um. You know, I th- I think like the bands who are kind of like doing it right, they definitely like cross and come support each other. And then we're still trying to figure out like, how do we come together and not have the assholes a part of each of our communities ruin it for everybody? You know what I mean? Um, so that's been like a big thing because I book shows still in the city, you okay. know, and like I have to give my hardcore shows to like other people, you know. Got it. Um, mm-hmm. because of the liability and like all the bands are like, yeah, dude, we get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I even, so, um, but I don't think the Philly music scene would be, especially pop punk would be what it is without hardcore because okay. yeah. they, especially in Philly, they definitely showed how to just not give a shit about what's cool and just do whatever the hell you want to do um and that'll be cool yeah i I, I agree yeah and i I agree with that it's uh you know i've i've been to um like a i'd say a decent amount of shows in philly you know a lot more mainstream stuff you know obviously i've you know i've been to you know union transfer and i've been to the church and i've been you know but um but, you know, I've, I've been to a couple of, like, smaller shows at, like, some smaller-scale places. Like, you know, I've been to, uh, um, you know, Everybody Hits, which was a super dope place. And mm-hmm. uh, um, Girlfriends played there. Yeah, I, I saw, um, I mean, we don't, I guess we don't really talk about them anymore because of, he turned out to be a shithead, but that band Jank. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I, I got to go see them, and... Uh, um, you know, I have been lucky enough to to play with um, with Soul Glow, who uh, you know uh, the the nice. bass player of, of Jank was was in. And, but like Philly has always been like that kind of place where like it's like a little bit chaotic, but always super cool. I mean, 
I was in a band. We did like a little three day tour and we played in like North Philly somewhere in a basement. And I literally saw like six or seven guys just like going down the road Mm -hmm. on horseback, on actual horseback. (laughs) Yep. Like that's a, uh, that's a uh, big thing up in North Philly. It's for the, uh, you probably saw gang members. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I still, to this day, I have no idea how, like how it happened. And like, all of us are sitting around being like, we're, like, where is the stable? Like, where are these horses? Gab? But they get, dude, yeah, they, they get the horses because they don't have to worry about uh, uh, license plates and getting caught from that. Shit. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, it's, that's, it's a lot easier to jump off a horse and run away. Horse doesn't have a VPN or a license plate number to connect that's, you to that's it. That's true. <laughs> that's true. But I mean, like, poor fucking horse. Like, that horse is just uh, sitting there like, well, now I'm fucking, yeah, now I'm absolutely. fucked. Good thing we have a lot of we have got a lot of good rehabilitation centers for the love people. to hear. Um, but uh, yeah, no, but you know, but like like I was saying, like you know, because one thing that I think like the hardcore kids like taught, especially me when I started to really understand, like, oh wow, there's this whole other scene that's not neon pop punk, like I was telling you about. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, they taught me the concept of DIY because they come from a long history of not being you know being respected in like the alternative music scene but overall not being like respected because they're not mainstream they don't have the big catchy hooks that a big pop punk band or a pop artist would have um so that whole diy mentality of just you're gonna play where you can you're not gonna give a shit you're gonna go hard for every band that's playing in front of you and after you, you're going to buy merch. You're not going to care if you only get $5. You're just going to be appreciative. You had a place to play in front of a few more kids. And, you know, you're going to do what you want to do. And that's going to be cool. There was a, um, there was this hardcore guy named Joey. He taught me, he was, uh, he's like, and it's a common saying, but he's the one who taught it to me. Uh, he's like, you don't want to try to join the cool kids party you want the party to be cool because you're there and you know that was that like hardcore mentality right just that i'm doing whatever the fuck i want and i don't give a shit what you think and that's cool and you're like damn and that kind of installed like a lot of confidence in like me and a lot of like my pop punk friends because you know it's so easy to get caught up in like, okay, I got to do this business decision and this business decision, and this is what's cool. And this is what's in, I have to copy this and I have to replicate that, you know, and you get caught up in that, that your music and your personality and your band is just so disingenuine, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think if it wasn't for the hardcore scene, I would be much more wrapped up in that mindset than I am because it's so easy. They've, they've taught us to like, Hey, Whatever you're gonna do, if you like it, it that's what's that's what that's what's cool about it, and you'll get people to catch on. Um, and they've also, you know, all my friends who play hardcore, they've always said I'd rather have fifty diehard fans that'll be at every single show, buying a T-shirt, going nuts, than ten thousand Fairweather fans. You know, so I think uh, we owe a lot to the hardcore scene, especially in Philly. Plus, they encompass everything that Philly is like. <laughs> We we're pieces of shit who beat up on people just because, (laughs) you know know what I mean? So it's like, if you know, if you want to talk about like the tough kids in the city, it's like those guys. (laughs) Amen. So Mark, I got one final question for you. Um, 
you, you mentioned where the name goalkeeper came from. So what what's goalkeeper's goal right now? Because you guys have accomplished a lot, but there's still a lot on your horizon. So what's your what's your goal for the rest of 2020 and into 2021? Uh, well, we're going to, our, our main goal is to have a successful release. <laughs> um, and we're going to do some merch, you know, some merch drops and things like that. And, uh, probably start, start writing, you know, just make use of this, you know, this time and kind of get ourselves in a really good position. Um, you know, cause when are we ever going to get this much downtime ever again? You know, the second that this stuff, you know, subsides and we can go back to touring, it's, full steam ahead and you're not going to be able to take six, seven or even 12 months, however long this goes off straight to do what you have to do, you know, as a developing band. So yeah. So I gave you three goals. <laughs> you said for one, I gave you three. All right. I like it. All right. So, uh, why don't you tell us about that release and, and plug away before we let you go? Yeah. Uh, so life in slow motion out September 25th. Uh, we have our first two singles out already, Happy and Just Say It. Uh, you can literally find us everywhere, just at Goalkeeper Band. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Apple Music, you know. Um, and if you go to any one of our pages, you'll find the link to pre-save the EP. So if you would love to go do that, that would be sick. Um, pre-save all your friends' music because it's free to do. It gets added to your library right away and actually helps artists like get Spotify playlist and positioning so they can get their music out into more people. So if you want to know why bands are begging or asking everyone to do that, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, Mark, it really has been a pleasure. You know, I, I know we, we had some fun back and forth while our two teams were playing, but honestly, Tom and I are just super excited for you guys. And we're going to be following along with what, goalkeeper has going on for the rest of this year and next year and and for years to come so you know it really was a blast chatting with you and whenever you want to come back we'd love to have you and uh take care oh thanks guys all right i won't let this end badly i just want you to be happy Turn back, let this go and fade to black. 
found ourselves and what we lacked Remember all the times we had Moving on, we can't turn back Let this go and fade to black Found ourselves in what we lacked Mr. Michael Dude, how great was that? It was unbelievable. And you know what I didn't know, just being like an old geezer that I am? I didn't know how important it was to pre-save bands, like singles and pre-save like their album releases. Yeah. And now that I know how important it is, I'm going to be doing that all the time. Just because yep. like I follow these bands, so I'm like, oh, why pre-save? I know when it's coming out. Like I'll just listen when it comes out. But, like, now I know that that's, like, so important to bands and, like, helps them get on, like, these important playlists and stuff. Like, I'm going to do it all the time when I see it. And uh, I, I just did, I wasn't aware of it. And, you know, it's just another one of those things to, that, like, shows how much this music business has changed in the music industry. And, I, I like, I was talking about it with uh, Dan for Makeshift last night. Like, man, you know, I really relied on the mixtapes that you made me like up until like 2015 and like <laughs> I'll, I'll always say that like you know it's so easy to find new music these days and like i was i was giving the example like one of the mixtapes that you made me that had like a hundred songs on it and like you never even like told me the bands or like made like a, an insert that had the bands on it <laughs> and it was just like, all right, I'm going to listen to this music. I might recognize like the vocalist and know who it is, or I'm not going to have any idea who it was. And I remember that happening with conditions. Like you put con like the early conditions EP on one of those crazy mixtapes. And I remember yeah. loving them and having no idea the name of the band or anything. And then like I was home from college and we were like driving up to maybe like Connecticut or Poughkeepsie for a show. And like you put it on your iPad and or your iPod, and then we were like jamming out, and I knew all the words, and I didn't even know the name of the band, <laughs> dude. But you know that that's like kind of the the and, and you know being like a a crazy music fan like that, like that is one of the things that I love is is you know introducing people to new music, which is why doing this podcast is so cool, but specifically this episode with with Mark just because like you know we've had great opportunities to talk to people that are in you know established you know big bands i mean you know we've we've talked to you know saves a day and me without you and august burns red and like these people that have like humongous fan bases and that's awesome and that is that is awesome but it's also awesome because hopefully Someone will listen to this podcast and they'll be like, oh, fucking goalkeeper. I've never heard of goalkeeper. And they'll they'll throw on, you know, one of one of their new singles and they'll be like, wow, this is great. And then someone will pre-save that, which not only helps goalkeeper, but then, you know, when you're on Spotify on the right hand side, I don't know if you do it, but sometimes I do it, man, on the right hand side where you've got all your friends listed and it shows what they're listening to. Man, sometimes I'll look over and I'll be like what is Robbie Santos listening to today? And I'm like, I've never heard of them. And I'll put them on. Now, Robbie's weird. You know, <laughs> I love if he's listening. He I was going to say that. I was like, he's definitely listening to some <laughs> crazy indie 
hipster stuff that you've never heard of. So but like, but but and if you're listening, Robbie, I love you. You you are weird, but I, I love I love you to death. But <laughs> but like but like it's cool because now you know a listener will throw on this goalkeeper song, and then maybe someone else who's like me, who's precocious and is like, what you know, what's going on? You know, I need something new to listen to. We'll check that out in the sidebar and be like, oh shit, you know, blah 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 is listening to this new band. Let me check it out. I like that it's so easy to navigate. And like you said, it's so easy to to have access to this music. I mean, you pay 10 bucks a month and you have access to like a library of millions and millions of songs. Like who could have ever thought 10 years ago that like something like this would exist, right? I mean, like it's it's kind of mind blowing that like, you know, before that you had to buy everything either on physical media or you had to illegally download it or whatever you had to do. But now, you know, you pay your 10 bucks a month, you go on Spotify and not only is there music from every era, every type of music, but it's all this new music that bands and artists are pushing. And now you have access to it right at your fingertips. I think it's such a cool thing. And, uh, you know, I know Spotify is one of those platforms that as much as I love it, it, it isn't always so friendly to the artists in terms of how much money they make, uh, which hopefully is a thing that over time will change. But having said that, it is great to know that you can just hop on, get whatever you want to get and expose yourself to, to new stuff. And you don't have to have, you know, weird MP3 CDs that <laughs> you'll never know who's on them. So it makes life easier. It definitely does. And and speaking of which, you know, definitely go make sure you, you pre-save goal, Goalkeeper's EP. Also go pre-save our homies and Out of Time's new song, Husky Fight, which you heard on our previous episode. But, you know, that was a one and done. And I know you're craving to hear it again. So go pre-save that for them. Um, so you know, like I, we I, mentioned, it's so important for them. I just got it real quick. Uh, ever since we we debuted Husky fight. I, I couldn't stop myself from thinking about hanging out in Chris Macaluso's living room and playing the puppy song fight? puppy fight. <laughs> and that's all I've been able to think about ever since I like listened to that song. And that was the name of the song. And I was like, bro, I need to just tell the story about puppy fight. And there's not really much of a story. It's just, um, I don't remember how many dogs, Macaluso had like three or four three or four there's a lot of dogs and they were like puppies and they were just being puppies and they were fighting so I wrote a song on the piano called puppy fighters like 30 seconds long and I just I'm glad that I was able to think about that and I'm glad that out of time gave me the opportunity to think about that and by the way the song fucking rips uh, they're such a good band and dude, uh, we're... I think that's their best song like w- once Mike sent it to me I was like dude we need to debut that on the podcast. That is your best song to date. Like, hell yeah, man. If that's the direction that they are going in, like look out world, like early two thousands, pop punk. It's, it's all, all those beautiful, good things about that era of music yep. that I love so much wrapped up in a song. And like, I just, I need more of it. You gotta love it, man. So, Listen, we hope you really enjoyed our, our interview with uh, Mark from Goalkeeper. Um, like I said, you know, we're, we're going to keep doing this. You know where to find us. I'm not going to do the whole thing because you know where to find us. But, you know, we are super pumped to be a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. And uh, 
we're going to be doing some more cool interactive things. I, I know you've probably caught uh, Mikey going live, uh, you know, on Facebook and, and Twitter, uh, you know, around these games. We've had some awesome guests. The last one Mikey did, we had uh, our, our homie Guns back. And, and oh, Dan dude. From, and Dan I got to say, Pitchfield. like, he might be the happiest man I've ever met in my life. Like, <laughs> the energy and the excitement that that dude has on any at any given moment, I'm so jealous. <laughs> like, I don't know how someone could be that happy. I, I don't get it. And I'm, like, sincerely, like, happy. I'm a happy person, but I just don't come off that way all the time. Mm-hmm. But I'm, like, deep down inside, I am happy. But I yeah, just, it doesn't, like, come out. Like, I don't, like, radiate happiness like he does. Sure. Yeah. But holy cow, man. Like, he should be, like, a preschool teacher or, like, a <laughs> kindergarten teacher. <laughs> like, he's got and- that much energy. Dude, and yet he is just guns from the gun show, and that's what he is. And he's a sweet man. Dan from Makeshift, you are also a sweet man. And Mark from Goalkeeper, also a sweet man. So we've got lots of sweet men, and that's how I'm going to leave this episode. Lots of sweet men, all all the time sweet men. Uh, But seriously, guys, um, we love this. We're, like, so super into this. And uh, whether or not... The Islanders are able to squeak this one out. We're still going to be, you know, hitting it. We're still going to be giving you guys episodes. And even when, you know, the the Stanley Cup is is decided and, and you know, we'll, we'll still be doing it. So never fear. We're going to be here. And that's all I got to say about that. So uh, make sure that you like and subscribe so you can always get our podcasts as they drop. And uh, that's I think that's it. You know, I think that's that's what I want to say. So uh, do you have, what, what do you want to say, Michael? I want to say, Tom, it's been real. <laughs> Peace be with you. And also with you.
What is up, Devils fans? It's your boy, Neil Villapiano. Make sure you check out the Devils State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. From Taylor Hammer Porkroll to how much we hate the Rangers, we got you covered. New episodes every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Hockey Podcast Network website. And always remember to rock on. Woo!